from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's Christmas time. That means one thing. It's also time for the best of the relevant podcast 2011 episode. It's it's our new annual tradition. It's getting right up there as um, as important as Christmas. Yeah, yeah. or at least like a, trimming the tree. Yeah, cultural eggnog. celebrations. Oh, relevant. you know one of the things I love about Christmas? Yeah, this is the best of episode. Mm. We wanted to do a thing kind of like like on Family Matters or Full House where they would have like the flashback episodes, but it was like five minutes of new material that right. they all had to like reminisce stuff. But then we just got lazy. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> it's another Christmas tradition. Yeah. We just get lazy. We lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Cameron Strang and here with me is our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. Uh, he has put together the lineup for this, this episode and I think you're going to enjoy it. It's It's... It really is a sampling of kind of the highlights of the year. Uh, the best music performances, the best interviews. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the best outtakes, you know, like the late night edition or the right. edition. But we do, if you stick around to the very end of the podcast, we do have 42 Jesse Carey closing segments that are all just going to be lumped together. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. <laughs> 42 of them. <laughs> That's a whole lot of Jesse. <laughs> Well, let's get started. Up first, uh, kicking things off, you'll remember back in August, on our August 12th episode, Paper Route performed. Um, they're an indie rock band from Nashville. If you like Passion Pit, you like Paper Route. Um, their upcoming album is called The Peace of Wild Things, and it's coming out in early 2012. All three of the songs they performed, you can watch the videos on uh, Relevant TV. This is Paper Route performing Better Life. One, two, three, four. <laughs> There I know Every swing I take and stone I throw All the bridges that I've burned All the new ways that I heard You gave up and I lost track When you love someone and don't love back It don't matter who's at fault Nothing matters now at all I might have said too much I might have said too much I won't forget your touch
it's trapped in my ribcage Burning through my fingertips Burning everything I kiss All the memories that you live in Just another door that I'm closing In a hall that's infinite But at least I can't admit that I might have said too much I might have said too much I won't forget your touch I'm saying too waiting, a better life is waiting A better life is waiting A better life is waiting And what is done is done Piece together what's been broken Can you ever give out someone? And what is done is done Piece together That was Paper Route. Check them out at paperouteonline.com. Back on our April 29th episode, uh, Josh Lewin Loveless interviewed actor Mark Ruffalo. Uh, he's also not just an actor. He's a director, producer, and screenwriter. Um, he's worked in films like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Zodiac, Shutter Island, Just Like Heaven, um, The Kids Are All Right, uh, for which he received an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He talked to us about his film, Sympathy for Delicious, an edgy rock and roll spiritual journey that explores the lasting effects of tragedy, the search for meaning, and the ultimate redemptive power of compassion. Here is Mark Ruffalo. You're in hell. You don't even know why you came, or even if you should have, but you are welcome. Right there. Stand and receive it. Joy, sweet Mark, you have scripts come across the desk of your agent all day long. Um, why sympathy for delicious for you? Well, honestly, um, it didn't really come to me the way uh, a normal script um, comes to me or comes to one. It was um, 
it's kind of a, it was born out of a, my my friendship, uh, a twenty year friendship with um, Christopher Thornton, who's the uh, who's the lead in the movie, and um, we started acting school together twenty some odd years ago, and uh, about sixteen years ago he had a, a climbing accident and he broke his spine, and uh, he realized that uh, at that point um, to continue um, a fruitful acting career he would probably have to start writing uh, things for a guy in a chair because he he was painfully aware that uh, most of the great parts for guys in wheelchairs went to guys who walked to the limousines at the at the end of the day right and uh, so about 10 years ago he, he he handed me a script you know after being very close to him to his own journey of, of, um, of, of being recently paralyzed I, I felt that it was uh, a story that I could tell. You know, I grew up in a <laughs> very, uh, I had three different faiths in my home. I had um, Catholicism, um, my grandmother was a evangelical, and my, uh, the rest of my family, um, and my father was a, uh, a Baha'i. And so um, I really understood faith. I understood then the faith healings as a boy. I, I, uh, I understood the struggle of someone living in a chair. I lived uh, and fed the homeless. Um, when I was a young actor living in downtown LA, I worked in a rock and roll bar. It had a lot of elements that, that I that I understood very well, and uh, and so I thought, you know, what I, I really want to direct. This is my best friend. I can't think of a better way to do it and start a directing career, and that was ten years ago. I mean, I don't want that. I mean, what if you don't want a calling? I think you should try this gift. Yeah, but what about my music? That's my calling. There's no difference between you being a musician and healing. What are you talking about? What am I supposed to do? Go what around you... touching people? Why not? And Why... be a DJ? Why not? I mean, you, you, you have a calling. You have a gift. Do it. Try it. How? Come down the skid. Dean, I have no lack of people who need healings down in Skid Row. Mm, Do I, a few days down there. But I don't want everybody knowing about it, Padre. They're already coming up to me. You saw it. How about I give you a hotel room? When I came down to Skid, it wasn't to be a feeder's alley. I went down there to build a state-of-the-art homeless shelter. I could feed people, I could get them off the streets, I could educate them, and I could put them back into society. I don't want to sustain misery in Skid Row. Do you think Hollywood's more afraid of making films like these, or do you think Christians are more afraid of seeing films like these? Um, I think, I think um, you know, like I said, Hollywood is, is driven by markets, and I, and I think Hollywood is afraid to make a movie that no one's going to go see. And they, th- that is based on some on some regard on assumptions but also on 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 a reality a certain kind of reality it's kind of a it's a a little bit of a sad state of affairs for storytelling because you know the stories great stories are stories that are based in truth and um you know there's certain coarse realities about faith you know real real street level faith uh places like skid row you know we we don't want to look at it because it's ugly to us but but it's 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 where there's a lot of grace, and if you if you if you refuse as a if we are who we say we are, uh, then then we have to engage in in those things that that um, frighten us or repulse us. Otherwise, we're we're part of the problem. And I do think that um, you know we've sanitized our storytelling 
in such a way that the stories aren't being told in, a, in the way that they, they should and could be to really, really touch people and, uh, and teach people. I mean, that's, that's what storytelling is, is for, really, I think, in one of its aspects. Sure, entertainment is wonderful for us, and we need that, but more so at this moment in time, we need, we need stories that enlighten us and, and teach us about ourselves and show us compassion about others. And, and those kinds of stories, I think, are, do that, essentially. That was Mark Ruffalo. Find out more about the movie at sympathyfordelicious.com. This last spring, uh, Derek Webb came through uh, our old offices and uh, performed a house show at our studio. About 100 people came out. It was a good time. We, we played uh, that performance on the June 3rd episode. If you don't know Derek, in 2003, he released his debut solo album, She Must and Shall Go Free. Before that, he was a member of Cademan's Call which if you went to college in the 90s, you know them well. Uh, Since then, he's gone on to release numerous albums and compilations, uh, including 2009's Controversial Stockholm Syndrome and 2010's Feedback, uh, which is an instrumental, electronic, and classically composed album based on the Lord's Prayer. Three of Derek's songs from the Relevant House Show are available to watch on Relevant TV. Here's Derek Webb performing The Spirit versus The Kick Drum. Spirit, I want the kick drum. I don't want the spirit, I want the kick drum. I don't like my work, so I'm not done. I don't want the spirit, I want the kick drum. I like sex without love. Like peace without the dough. Like a crime scene without blood. But you know I want a kick drum I don't want the sun, I want a jury of peers I don't want the sun, I want a jury of peers My scare's gonna run when you see my tears I don't want the sun, I want a jury of peers I like it lies out the truth Like wine out the fruits Like a sky dive the shoes Oh, I don't want the sun, you know I want a jury of peers Oh, I don't want the spirit, you know I want a kick drum I don't want the fire, I want a vending machine I don't want the fire, I want a vending machine I know what I want if you know what I mean I don't want the fire, I want a vending machine Like heaven That was Derek Webb. Check him out at DerekWebb with two Bs.com. On our June 10th episode, um, our managing editor, Ryan Hamm, interviewed Sun Lux. Sun Lux is a 32-year-old producer, composer, Ryan Lott. 
He's classically trained but rewired. In 2009, he released his critically lauded album At War with Walls and Mazes. This past year, he released the album We Are Rising. The album was written, composed, recorded, and mixed in the span of one month. It's terrifying. I can't believe that. <laughs> uh, here is Ryan Ham talking to Sun Lux. Are we bursting from the ashes? All things yearning for the push. Can you hear the ever-groaning? Shedding hours we have become On uh, We Are Rising, I felt like it was a little bit more hopeful than your first album. And um, I guess I just was curious if that was like an intentional shift or if uh, that's just kind of like the place you're at. Yeah, life. you know, I think part partly that um, it's hard to, it's hard to measure um, the impact of of making music as a group has on 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 your output on the product. But that is sort of my, I guess that was that is my my feeling that the the sound of the record and the brighter sound of the record is as a result of the fact that I was making it with friends, hmm. and it was so like ridiculously fun hmm. to do that the music I couldn't help but like make music that felt like it was you know surging forward with like lots of positive energy Leave the riches take the bones I'm ready to be robbed one other thing, and I mean, I hope I'm not re- reading too much into this, but um, like the, I mean, the title track, I mean, uses a lot of resurrection imagery and like you've used a lot of spiritual imagery in the past um, on your album. Like, how do you, how do you write with Christian themes without being totally cheesy? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that I write with Christian themes. Um, the way I think is definitely like, I try to think like in, on, in spiritual terms um, in that I feel like we as humans, not just Christians, not just Muslims, mm-hmm. whatever, but like we as humans are in some crazy way uh, spirit as much as we are flesh, mm-hmm. and maybe more. And I think music is like this weird veil between the two, or it can be. not just music, but, but, but art. Right. Um, in that it sort of like calls out to the flesh from the spirit, and also the other direction in particular I feel like rhythm that like you feel in your body sort of like reaches out into your spirit (laughs) through that veil and so that's how I think of music I don't really think in like conveying any sort of themes Mm -hmm. but I feel like that there are certain themes that are like the theme of resurrection which is a version of of second chances Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of, uh, of forgiveness, like they're all sort of wrapped up in, they're wrapped up in inseparable. And I feel like if you can tap into like, uh, or what I what I try to do is tap into very universal concepts that I feel like anyone can bring their own experience to it. And and really for me, that is super important um, because I feel like in making the music at all, I've said enough. Um, and if, if, if it's a house with locked doors and locked windows that you can't even get into unless you understand the theme, I'm, I'm absolutely not interested. Hmm. So I would much rather uh, make a beautiful house with 
with uh, doors off the hinges mm-hmm. and windows open wide that where people can experience it, get into that house and enjoy it from whatever perspective they're, they're coming from. You know, what they draw from it um, is going to be just as much about their own life experience, but has, which has nothing to do with me. Right, right. Um, and so I can't control that, nor do I really want to, because I feel like the, at the intersection of someone's personal experience and, and my music, that's where something really beautiful happens. Mm-hmm. It's half them and half me. And then it, at that point, it becomes, it becomes something else entirely. Hmm. Um, and that's the thing that fascinates me. We are That was Sun Lux. Check him out at sunluxmusic.com. listening to Deus Vale. The song is, well, you know what the song is. God rest you, married gentlemen. Uh, it's playing right now on Relevant FM. Uh, and also at the beginning of the podcast, you heard uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Uh, all these holiday tunes are in rotation at Relevant.fm. So while you're trimming the tree and eggnogging yourself or whatever people do, <laughs> I don't know, put on Relevant FM. It's a good, good holiday mix. It's uh, fun this month. If you know Christian hip hop at all, you know Plato. Um, it, what's funny is, uh, you know, this late spring we moved from our old office and studio to our new one. Um, well, we didn't have our new studio built out until a couple months ago. So when any artists that came through this summer actually had to record here in our little podcast studio room, um, and we weren't able to film them. Plato is actually the first performance in our new in in, in that temporary studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you heard his performance on the May 6th episode. Plato is an MC known for his lyricism. You know, he's a true MC, like a battle rap MC. And in fact, he can prove it because he's the top Dallas freestyle rap champion of Monday Night Fights for two years running. And he's won five times in 90, 97.9 The Beats Freestyle Fridays. He's also won the Scribble Jam TX battle and was asked to participate in the prestigious invitation only Red Bull MC competition. This past year, he released his new album, Hot Doggin'. Here's Play-Doh with You Heard. Yeah. Na, na, na. Ha, ha. Na, na, na. Come on. Na, na, na. Aw, oh, man. Cold Crush. I'm a cold rush, the quarterback. Push a pillage through a line of scrimmage, some of that old Mac nasty. Want some? Then ask me. Smack a rapper back that whack talk and sass me. Procrastinated next week, the cheek turn. Weak germ, chase with ginseng and weak germ. I got my feet burned, planted on a rock that 
Unshakable Mount Zion on top that Old Testamental instrumental Got dead living lead razor number two pencil I purposely purpose my incidental On a credit card max to its full potential Accidental Alamo I ride this rental Attracted to this track something sentimental I leave past it up I'ma blast it simple And I'm covered for rapping long as I rap it gentle So let's just enjoy my brand new toy Bounce the beat on my knee like a baby boy Who wanna rattle to the rhythm of a beatbox Wrote my lyrics on the wall Cause my sheet rocks Yo, I know that you That that you want to I know that you think That you got to I know that you heard What I ought to be But you ain't heard about me Yo, I know that you That that you want to I know that you think That you got to I know that you heard What I ought to be but you ain't heard about me. My name's Plato. I'm still the best kept secret. But when you're this dope, it's kind of hard to keep it. The beat tried to hold it, but it's bound to leak it. Cause I dry hump Frenched and freaked it. Yo, we all make mistakes, right? We gon' probably repeat it. I got the answer right here, waiting when you need it. You hungry for the truth? Man, it's there if you seek it. Just control, alt, delete it. Yeah, I'll be the one to lead the revolution No politics, no constitution A freedom no man can take Introduced in a lyrical, huh, spiritual solution Yo, it feels good when you're chewing the red pill But now I'm obligated to wake up the dead Still it's life in a song, I disguise the topics It's easier to take with steamed rice and chopsticks The plot thinks, the prophets have told me The angels sang it to me and my dreams have shown me It's deep space above me and the clouds below me Ain't Cognito lonely, like nobody know me, yo. I know that you, that, that you want to. I know that you think that you got to. I know that you heard what I ought to be. But you ain't heard about me, yo. I know that you, that, that you want to. I know that you think that you got to. I know that you heard what I ought to be. Man, you ain't heard about me. It don't matter, you can blame it on me. Some pay for it, some get it for free Some sneak in the door, some pay the fee Some people rap, some people MC Yo, it don't matter, you can blame it on me Some pay for it, some get it for free Some sneak in the door, some pay the fee And some people rap, some people MC Most people rap, few people MC A lot of people rap, few people MC Everybody raps, nobody MC I guess the exception is me, Plato. That was Plato. Check him out at IamPlato.com. Well, a few people made more waves this year than our next guest. <laughs> On our March 18th episode, uh, Josh interviewed author, speaker, former pastor Rob Bell. As many know, he wrote the book Love Wins this past year, which uh, got a lot of heat about and, and raised a lot of discussion about theology of heaven and hell and eternal life. Um, Rob was the founding pastor of Marceau Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which he stepped down from this year, and he's currently working on a spiritual drama for ABC with the executive producer of Lost. There was a lot to talk to Rob about, and uh, we did. Uh, here is Josh Leon Loveless talking to Rob Bell. Uh, Rob, last time I talked to you, uh, you were a Christian. Uh, then I logged on to the internet. What happened? <laughs> I'm sorry, that is such an awesome opening question. Yeah, I, 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 I thought you were a Christian, and the internet said something different. I just, I, I want to know the real scoop from you. Well, 
I think I may be even more of a Christian than I was in the last minute. I think Jesus is actually more compelling and interesting than when we were last together. So, <laughs> I think I'm going in the wrong other direction than apparently what you've heard. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think, why do you think then so many people have found it so entertaining to, um, yeah, to take a shot at whether Rob Bell is is one of us, is is a Christian like the rest of us. Why do you think that's become a sport? That is something that I don't understand. My understanding is that the Christian tradition is this vibrant, dynamic conversation about the resurrected Jesus that has gone on hundreds and hundreds of years. And it is a wide, diverse, fascinating, cacophonous conversation that we're all taking part in because we're serious about following Jesus. We believe him. We trust him. We, we think he's where it's at. We think he is who he says he is. And so that discussion shouldn't be threatening. It should be joyous. It should be life-giving. It should be challenging and and I thoroughly enjoy it. So the idea that within this conversation, there are a group of people who have decided that they're the chosen, they're the elect, they are the arbiters of who belongs and who doesn't is not something that I understand. So I don't, I don't know how much to say about it. I just, it's completely foreign to me. One of the main points of controversy that obviously we've been hovering over during this conversation uh, related to your book, Love Wins, is that people feel you've embraced a form of universalism, b- believing that you can choose life with God even after you die. So b- based on your understanding then of universalism, do you consider yourself a universalist? Am I ever? Uh, no, I don't. And that's and you you see the difference being what? My observation would be that people mean lots of different things with that word. Right. Um, I think for some people, apparently, the word means that nothing matters. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you live. Nothing matters. And I simply don't believe that. Certain paths are destructive. Certain paths are wrong. Certain paths cause all sorts of toxic harm to other people, and it's not loving your neighbor. So if by universalism people mean it doesn't matter doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter what you do, that's just complete rubbish. So, no. Secondly, sometimes when people say the the word universal, I think they mean that at some point God just sort of swoops everybody up into heaven. You know what I mean? Sort of like, come on, everybody. Everybody's in. Um, And the problem with that is, I believe, love wins. And the very nature of love is freedom. And so if at any point God co-ops, your ability to choose we no longer are dealing with a loving God and that if there are people who are in heaven who don't want to be there then it's not heaven like like God saying it's a party and you're gonna like it you know what I mean I did a funeral I did a I did a wedding actually a couple probably 10 years ago and the father of the bride absolutely despised the groom 
and made it known to everybody he thought that his daughter was making a huge error in marrying this guy. And when he brought her down the aisle in the ceremony and the groom stepped up so that he could hand his daughter off to the groom, he said to the groom in a voice that everybody could hear, she's yours now. <laughs> it was like the most ferociously awkward moment. And this father of the bride cast such an oppressive dark cloud on this wedding celebration. And the fact of the matter is, if people don't want to be at a party, they can ruin a perfectly good party. Mm. So if by universalism people mean God just sort of swoops everybody up into heaven in one giant cosmic gesture, that would co-opt our ability to choose. The question that I do think is terribly interesting, and which as a Christian we must wrestle with, is it's written in the letters to Timothy, God wants everybody to be saved. So now this is fascinating. God wants everybody to be saved. So perhaps the important question is, is God a universalist? And I do think, as a Christian, it is our duty to long for the things that God longs for and to want the things that God wants. That was Rob Bell. Check him out at robbell.com. Two Bs. Otherwise, it'd be Robell. <laughs> On our September 2nd episode, we had a musical guest, New Lore. It's a new band uh, out of Nashville, and uh, they created a concept album written to Eve from Adam's perspective. The seven songs that make up New Lore's Apples and Eve explore that fractured space between the original man and woman. New Lore's managed to capture not just the storm and stress of man's love for woman, but also the passion and idealism of youth. Here is New Lore performing Eve.
tempt me, falling bright. Take the apple from my eye. Slippery prickly scares a hat. Oh, how they lie when the street turns in bites. That was New Lore. Check them out at newlore.com. Two Bs. Helen Whitney has worked as a producer, director, and writer for documentaries and feature films since 1971. Uh, She's received Emmys, Peabody's, Oscar nominations, uh, other awards, pretty much everything you can win. This past year, she launched a new book and PBS miniseries called Forgiveness, A Time to Love and a Time to Hate. On our May 27th episode, Josh interviewed her. Here is filmmaker Helen Whitney. Um, Helen, obviously creating films that have a spiritual tone seem to be your bread and butter. Is that intentional in the projects that you take on? Actually, you know, as if you've looked at my CV, you'll see that I've made a f- films on a variety of subjects, ranging from youth gangs to presidential candidates to the McCarthy era and so many other ones, Richard Avedon. But there is this leitmotif that runs through, and that, you know, really, that is, I guess in one of the better words, spiritual landscapes, uh, whether they're, uh, whether I'm exploring the monastic life inside of a Trappist monastery or focusing on John Paul II, the Polish, the great Polish Pope, or looking at the spiritual aftershocks of 9-11 or forgiveness. It, I, I am very drawn to these subjects, not so much because they are religious in quotes, but because they are existential and spiritual in focus because underneath all of them are the questions being asked whether they're by the Pope, whether they're by the monks uh, in the Trappist Monastery or people struggling with the horror of 9-11 and on and on. They're asking those questions. Why are we here? What does it all mean? Is death all there is? And on and on. And those are those are the questions I find most interesting, and they're most accessible in films that uh, are spiritually focused. If 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 you could say one thing publicly. Um, to people about forgiveness, you know, if you could speak one thing into our culture about forgiveness, what would be the statement? Is there, is there a phrase? Is there a statement? No, no, it's, it's honor, it's complexity and it's contradictions. There's no one size fits all. Uh, There are, I mean, the title of this film comes from Ecclesiastes, a time to love and a time to hate. And I really, this book, the film, really acknowledged and explored and celebrated the complexity of forgiveness. And in the film, there are people who have forgiven too quickly and and carelessly and prematurely whose lives have been hurt mm. because they hadn't really 
understood the anger that they were experiencing, and they denied this reality, and they suffered uh, as a result of a kind of premature forgiveness. And then there are people whose lives were transformed mm. by being able to ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. Uh, so I, I really, the, complexity, contradiction, honor the power of forgiveness, but acknowledge also its limitations, and on rare instances, its dangers. Complexity. That was Helen Whitney. Learn more at HelenWhitney.com. You're listening to Benson Wells. The song is White Christmas. And of course, it's playing on Relevant FM, but also this entire album is streaming for free on The Drop at relevantmagazine.com. All Sons and Daughters is a worship duo birthed in 2010 out of Journey Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Last year, they released their first EP, Brokenness Aside, and they've just released a new single, Reason to Sing. The duo set from the Relevant Studios can be viewed on Relevant TV, and we played several songs on our April 22nd episode. Here is All Sons and Daughters performing All the Poor and Powerless. Yeah. 
That was All Sons and Daughters. Check them out at allsonsanddaughters.com. Active Child is Pat Grassi, a New Jersey native that's worked within and appropriated a number of styles into his sound from his early days singing uh, with a heavenly voice as a choir boy to his more recent forays into laptop-assisted indie pop made in his bedroom. This past year, he released his debut album, You Are All I See. It is, in my opinion, a top 10 album of the year. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fantastic. On our November 18th episode, Ryan Ham interviewed him. Here is Active Child. I just can't keep 
up singing in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. Um, I did. And instead of asking, you know, about how that formed your, you know, like you like to hear voices or whatever, um, I'm more curious, like how that experience of singing in a group, uh, just being part of something larger, like how that formed you as an artist, like what did that make you, how did that form what you think of in your art? I mean, I think in the choir it was, I had a little bit of both because it was, it was a big choir, it was like a hundred, uh, like boys my age and then there was a corral of older men that did like, uh, you know, the lower end of the bass and baritone and tenors and so it was like a bit, probably about 150 people on stage at any given time and so I think in that aspect, it was a lot easier to get up there and like kind of perform, and you just kind of become a one big, just another face in the crowd to a certain extent. But then at the same time, I did have uh, like I would occasionally have like solos in certain songs where I would have to actually like step out from the group and and you know and, and kind of be like a lone performer in a, in a certain way. So I think. Those early days of having to actually like step out and be, I guess, um, more of the focal point was was my first experience with that. And it's like trying to get on stage right now is like a whole different experience. But I think that was like a good a good launching point for me as far as a performer. I guess. I've also read uh, interviews like that you've talked about, like being kind of fascinated with religion and church, even though you don't believe yourself. Um, I mean, that's reflected even like in the album art. Um, like, where do you feel like that fascination comes from? I don't know. I guess I'm just, um, I guess I'm just kind of continually like kind of searching for my own spirituality in a lot of ways. And I think in my process of making music, it's it's a very kind of intense personal like reflection in a lot of ways when I start to write and record stuff and I'm, I'm, I have trouble really pinpointing what my fascination is with it but I think it's just I kind of see my music when I'm when I'm working on it I tend to go into um, into just kind of a meditative state and I think um, the, the fact that I, I went to like a Catholic high school and before then I didn't really have a whole lot of experience with religion and I always had kind of a curiosity for it and going to school for it and then I you know I studied it a little bit in college in, in different um, world religions and I'm fascinated by by the idea of there being something else I guess just like everyone else is and I just kind of try to explore that realm and, and at the same time it's like I'm, I'm I'm very into that the style of music that is kind of associated with a lot of different religions as far as like meditative music and you know you know monks and, and th stuff like that and so it's I'm kind of tied into that same spiritual realm I guess I think the choir definitely like had a huge influence on me as far as that and then you know I, I, I think I I feel most inspired by my own music is when I'm in that kind of realm of like reflection and and kind of like a confessional where I can kind of get into a loop of sounds and instrumentals and just kind of get lost in it a little bit it's like my own I guess my own sort of Sunday church experience or something That was Active Child. Check him out at activechildmusic.com. You won't regret it.
Heath McNeese. How do you describe Heath McNeese? He's a guitarist. He's a vocalist. He's a rapper. He's garnered a reputation for having one of the quirkiest and most insanely enjoyable live shows out there. He's released a handful of albums, including this year's The House Always Wins. His performance from the relevant studios can be viewed on relevant TV, and it's worth checking out, especially this song. Here's Heath McNeese performing a cover of Bill Weathers' iconic Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone She's always gone too long Anytime she goes away I wonder this time when she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away Anathema, I think Athena had an out for you How could recalcitrance oust the gritty valuables? A pretty mouth full of pity so palpable The giddy little prince rents out his given castle You married him yet, that marionette Buried in debt, nary a breath to carry the rest Who share the bed, care for the guest To care for the rest of everything kept deep in a daredevil's chest It's inconceivable to even believe in an evil Even when the evil would leave you reeling from breathing ether No speech and I don't think he's even breathing either No peace and so please leave me to be beleaguered And when you leave, put your shades back on, why'd you take them off? Or why'd you gaze that long? Another barely alive man sharing an eight mile stare in a stone cemetery. Gone too soon and all for you. Resident guy measured his life in coffee spoons. Gone too soon and all for you. Mr. Proof Rock, who shot you? See no sunshine when she's gone. Only darkness every day. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Well, anytime she goes away I wonder this time when she's gone I wonder if she's gonna stay oh, 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 oh. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away That was Heath McNeese. Check him out at heathmcneese.bandcamp.com A lot of you have heard of Project 7. We're big fans of Project 7 here in the office because they have good coffee and we like coffee. (laughs) 
Uh, Project 7 is a company started in 2008 that sells consumer products, uh, bottled water, gum, coffee, mints, and donates a large percentage of its profits to nonprofit organizations. Project 7 was founded by Tyler Merrick, who wanted to turn the seven deadly sins upside down. For example, instead of focusing on a person who is gluttonous, focus on helping the person who has nothing to eat. Project 7's goal is to make positive change in seven areas of global need. For every purchase of a Project 7 product, some good is done in seven areas of need. Feed the hungry, heal the sick, hope for peace, house the homeless, quench the thirsty, teach them well, and save the earth. Nonprofit organizations supporting any of these seven areas in need can submit applications to Project 7. And in fact, Project 7 has been blowing up this year. They moved their headquarters out to Southern California. They're picked up, I think they're picked up in all the West Coast Walmart checkout lines. Like they bumped you know, Altoids or mm-hmm. something. I mean, it's something huge. Their mints are there. Mm-hmm. Their coffee is fantastic. Um, we subscribe to it and get it every month here in the office. And Tyler's just a great guy. Um, on our March 25th episode, our very own Roxanne Weeman interviewed him. Here is Tyler Merrick. Can you tell us a little bit just about kind of the genesis of Project 7? Absolutely. And what it, is? Um, it was... Um, a consumer goods line that was started in an effort to create an ongoing revenue stream for nonprofits, specifically seven different areas of need. So um, we do everyday items, like you said, and when you buy them, they they tell you exactly what you're doing. So you're feeding the hungry, you're housing the homeless, um, you're healing the sick, you know, buying malaria medicine. Our whole message is getting people to think about how they buy, um, you know, to be smarter as a consumer, and when they do. Together, um, there can be some really neat things that happen out of that. So everything's made in America as well, which is kind of a cool thing. So a lot of times we may be doing international relief, but we're supporting the local economy with the products that we make here here in the States. So, yeah. We've always said Project 7 products Our goal is to have a quality product, competitively priced, that allows people a way to help fund things they care about. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like the best gum you've ever had in your life or the only, you know, gum that you'll chew. Our 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 kind of our our theme this this past year has been to get people to think about don't just buy more stuff, change how you buy. Like we're not selling strawberry slicers. Right. You know, like some random widget. Right. But we're just selling things that you're going to buy in anyway, but if you shift in your purchases, you can make an impact yeah. on somebody else's life. Which, I mean, brings up an interesting question um, that we think about a lot here is just this sort of trend toward commodified compassion, if you will, where people are um, purchasing something to do good, and you know whether it's Tom's shoes or to write love on her arms stuff or Project 7. Yeah gum or t-shirts so how do you kind of like how do you feel about sort of mixing that that consumerism with compassion and do you think like does that taint your message or change the message i think that you're always going to have a certain percentage of those customers that are maybe only doing it because it's trendy you know they buy a pair of tom shoes because they're cute or you know i've heard that's a neat story Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day um, there was somebody that got a pair of shoes out of that. They wouldn't have got one. 
So uh, an end justifies the means I in mean, that sense. I mean, yeah, it, as long as for us, the same way about um, what, what we do with gum and mints, you could make a case to say, don't buy any gum or mints at all. Give mm -hmm. that up and use that money to go towards you know a charity that you mm -hmm. care about. Um, but that's living in a vacuum. That's not you know reality in that sense. We just retool the message and we're able to reach out to people that maybe um, are outside of the church or inside the church or you know wherever, but they're in a coffee shop, at a bookstore, at a Walmart, and there's this this call to action that's on the shelf that they have to deal with. So it says feed the hungry and they may not buy that product right then, but our hope is that we've kind of planted an Easter egg on their path. So they go outside the door and they see someone, you know, panhandling, asking for, you know, help. Maybe it helps make them think twice about kind of their, their thoughts on that. Um, same thing with like, how's the homeless? We put those messages out there. So for us, the ends do justify the means, mm -hmm. I think. That was Tyler Merrick. Find out more at project7.com. Does it show signs of stopping? And I brought some corn for popping. That's a tone way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I hate going out in the storm. If you really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. You're listening to Green River Ordinance with Let It Snow. You should have played the Boys to Men version. <laughs> Very different sound, but, but it's true. I'm telling you, like I, I was listening. We were listening in the car yesterday. The the Boys to Men Christmas album. They need to tour. It's been almost 20 years since it came out. Yeah, I would go see the Boys to Men Christmas tour. It holds up. It does hold up, and it would be like vintage, but it'd be a good date. Yeah, I mean it just would. Fake snow falling from the sky on the stage, and they have to be wearing the same like turtlenecks with blazers from the cover. <laughs> you know, I love it. Love it. Indie worship band Ascend the Hill uh, has released two albums, 2009's self-titled debut and then 2010's album of hymns called Take the World But Give Me Jesus. They've just finished a Kickstarter campaign to fund their next album. It was successful. It was. Yeah, good for them. The band performed a three-song mini worship set in our studio, and you can watch the whole thing on Relevant TV. We played the performance on our July 1st episode. Here is Ascend the Hill with Spend It All.
Take me 
it all for you, Lord. And let your spirit take me over, God. Cause it's all I ever need. Yeah, you're all I ever need, Lord. And receive this life and offering, God. Cause I've spent it all for you, yeah, I've spent it all for you. That was Ascend the Hill. Check him out at ascendthehillband.com. Don McGlynn is a filmmaker, a director who specializes in documentaries about American music. He's made over 30 films, and his documentaries have been presented at over 200 international film festivals and have won a number of awards. His new film is called Rejoice and Shout, which traces the evolution of gospel through its many musical styles, the spirituals and early hymns, the four-part harmony-based quartets, the integration of blues and swing into gospel, the emergence of soul, the blending of rap and hip-hop elements. Josh spoke to him on our July 15th episode. Here is filmmaker Don McGlynn. Don, through the making of this film, Rejoice and Shout, you trace the roots of gospel music from its origin to what's happening right now. How would you describe that historical arc of the genre of gospel music? The arc is is going from slavery to having an African-American president. You know, this is, uh, it was a rocky road getting there, though, of course, because of um, the Civil War and, you know, the Depression and and desegregation and uh you know but uh, finally we have um the african-american community being a part of the mainstream of america not being discriminated against so obviously as they had been for for literally centuries Uh, gospel music obviously lived underground i mean you even just talked about that idea of being mainstream it lived underground to most white people in the early days was was there a clear moment when it broke out into the mainstream i think Probably the first time it really broke out in the mainstream was when the national radio stations, which started emerging in the late uh, 20s, early 30s, started uh, having shows like Silver Jordan, and then later on with uh, the Golden Gate Quartet. And I think that really put it in everyone's homes so that they could actually hear how great this music could be. And then later on, when you had people like Mahalia Jackson, you know, selling literally millions of records. I mean, it's, it's astonishing how many records she sold on hardcore gospel songs. I mean, that was quite extraordinary. That happened in the 40s. And I think that's when it pretty much entered the mainstream. It also was helped by Sister Rosetta Tharp uh, having millions selling hits in the uh, in the early 40s, which were sometimes a bit secular and sometimes just flat-out gospel songs. What relationship, if any, do you see between gospel music and the genre of uh, Christian music uh, that's emerged in the last 50 years? Um, in some cases, oh in some cases they seem blurred, and then in other cases they seem very distant and separate. I don't know how to confront that. My 
my biggest musical hero is Duke Ellington, and he always said that you know labels are a problem. You know, is it a good, is it good music or isn't it? And in the case of, of uh, African American Christianity and the music that people hear in church, it's a little difficult for me to say, oh, this kind isn't good or that kind isn't good, because I, I'm sort of I sort of believe that. If it gets the message of God through to the people and inspires them, that makes it that, that makes it valuable, and that makes it important. That was Don McGlynn. Find out more about Rejoice and Shout at magpictures.com slash rejoice and shout. Audrey Assad is a Phoenix-based singer-songwriter whose debut album, The House You're Building, was named Amazon.com's Best Christian Music of 2010 and iTunes, Christian and Gospel's Breakthrough Album of the Year. She uh, came through our studio really early this year, and we played the performance on our February 11th episode. Here is Audrey Assad performing Sparrow.
That was Audrey Assad. Check her out at AudreyAssad.com. And last but definitely not least, uh, Gunger. Gunger is self-described, I'm reading this, as liturgical post-rock. I, I don't even know what that means. I don't <laughs> think anybody does. Um, and they've just released uh, their follow-up to their widely successful debut, Beautiful Things, which uh, earned the band multiple Grammy nominations and Album of the Year declarations. The new album is called Ghosts Upon the Earth. I, I, frankly, I think it's fantastic. And it got a Grammy nomination. Did it? Just, yeah, just recently. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, it's a musical odyssey for its listeners, uh, starting with the beginning of time and working through what Gunger explains as our restored relationship with our creator. The album acts as Gunger's simple desire to somehow illuminate what is more real than many of us have ever imagined, the ghosts upon the earth. On our November 4th episode, Josh spoke to them. This is Michael and Lisa Gunger. I don't think there's an artist that that we've ever talked to that loves being put in a box of any sort and uh there's some people that put you in the the worship music and christian music box um but it feels as though your music doesn't really seem comfortable fitting there um but yet your music's really spiritual how do you describe what's led you down the path that that your music you know seems to be going down you know an artist the artists I like write from places that are honest in themselves and spirituality and, and faith and doubt and love and all the stuff that, that we write about and, and worship itself. Those, those are coming from the deepest places in my soul. And, and, and to me, music is always what I, what I love about music is it has this ability to kind of get beneath the surface of things and and speak from and to the soul and so for me like we're making part of what i don't like about the labels of christian music and stuff like that is it we don't classify other music like that we don't we don't say atheistic music or humanistic music or buddhist music or like we don't lump that all together as in that is the you know the foundation of if it's art um we're all saying something and to me like to me it just it creates an odd it's just an odd way of separating it and sometimes i I feel like because we separate it like that we don't take the art as seriously and letting the art stand on its own so that's really just a word game really i mean it certainly is coming out of a my faith is and my spirituality and the songs that i write has always been present say there's anything specific for each of you um that's changed about who you are from your last album with beautiful things and and now this recent album 
Yeah. I, well, one thing is we have a, a baby girl now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>、um, our lives have drastically changed. Yeah. It's interesting, these albums, I, I hear, even though we don't really write literally autobiographically or anything,、um, when I hear the songs, I hear stories like Please Be My Strength from Beautiful Things. I think of what I was going I, I mean, I think of that green room that I was sitting in. Yeah. Wondering if I believed in God anymore. <laughs> you know, like、mm. um, the pain of that total darkness of, you know, the dark night of、yeah. the soul.、Um, and same with beautiful, yeah, same with beautiful, beautiful things. things. Yeah, the hopeful that, moments. Yeah, then we didn't, a lot of that came from, you know, we didn't know if we'd be able to have kids. We didn't know a lot of our friends were going through the same kind of thing and miscarriages and all that kind of、uh, searching. What season does this, this album represent then? Mm. I'm trying to think.、Question. It is an interesting、yeah. question. Because in some ways, I mean, I don't think, I think for me, I thought, you know, okay, well, this is a season of doubting and darkness, and, and you kind of think that that season will just disappear. Yeah. And in some ways, it's still present.、Mm. Um, you still have questions. Well, I, I still have questions. I still doubt. Yeah.、Uh, I still,、uh, even, but, but I feel like for me, like, I see. The light more than I used to.、Mm. I think, like, with, with the season of beautiful things, there was a season for me I felt like I was completely overcome by, like, by, by like just looking at the evil and the darkness in the world. And, and I, I, I felt like it was overpowering the light. But for me, I feel like in this album, no, there is light. And, like, I mean, even starting with Let There Be, like, a lot of that came out of it's not just the creation of. Of the worlds, but it's let there be now, like here, like darkness is here now and chaos is here now. Let there be light in the midst of our lives right now. Like God, it's, it, God is still saying, let there be light in the darkness. And I feel like for me, I can see that light more, I see the goodness more. Was Gunger. Check him out at gungermusic.com. Well, it's been a good year for the,、uh, for the podcast. My goodness, a lot of highlights.、Um, we want to thank all of you for, for listening.、Um, we, this is a labor of love. We enjoy doing it, but more than anything, we love hearing from you. We love the feedback. We love seeing the tweets. We love it when you write in.、Um, this is a lot of fun for us and the team, and, and we're glad we get a chance to do it. Um, especially thank you to all of you who support us and, and、uh, get the magazine, come to the website, tell your friends about what we're doing.、Um, it means a lot and keeps us in business and keeps this podcast going. So thanks for your support, especially.、Um, we have a lot of fun things planned for next year. In fact, we'll probably be moving our podcast to a new studio,、mm-hmm. um, which, which means it'll sound all that much better. <laughs> Actually, it'll make no difference to you guys at all, but <laughs> it, it'll be more spacey for us. Yeah, you guys who listen on your little earbuds. Yeah. yeah, but it'll be nice for us. We'll have a couch. Ooh. Maybe a vending machine. Ooh. I don't know. Pinball、um, machine. Pinball machine. Yeah, we're just going to lose interest <laughs> in the little recording. Just go play pinball for a minute, come back.、Uh, 
Um, but anyway, uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned. We already have some amazing bands and uh, coming through, some amazing um, authors and and people that are lining up for interviews. So uh, it's going to be a good season next year. Thanks again for listening. Uh, and and with that, there's no other way we should end it than with 42 Jesse Carey outros. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. And when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know and everyone you if my pilot's wearing a helmet, I kind of feel like I should be wearing one. If people are still listening up to this point, they hold the law in high integrity. You put Kevin James in a movie, I'm seeing it. Comic book home delivery is the worst idea ever. Do, do they bring it right down to your mom's basement? Boom, I just dropped a truth bomb on your head. I could win a game of Jeopardy too. Just give me any smartphone. I would literally have them jump a shark. Well, James Franco had asked to host the Oscars.biz, but uh, we didn't think he'd be that good. If anyone knows the rapture, it's Kirk Cameron. I have a brand new, very sophisticated Lego car, and I happen to know a science teacher that can do pretty cool stuff with liquid nitrogen. So yeah, I want the missile guidance system. You're telling me the guy that opened a fire on a Taco Bell over 50 cents wasn't thinking it through? Or I could just tell people my birthday is April 1st and then be like, really? Really? I thought it was April 2nd. I'll be like, April Fool's it is, but but you can give me a joke gift. Yeah, if you're walking around with a sword, I, I got news for you. People are probably going to be making fun of you behind your back. Everyone wins when there's a royal wedding. If you're a kid that grew up in Boston, you have two hopes of making it. One is a mo- in the mafia. Two is in a professional sports team. Yeah, give me give me the extra large Dr. Pepper and, and a bucket of popcorn and let me just throw back on some Terrence Malick. It, it's it's the four loco of boat toys. I'm not buying a, a lethal weapon that's illegal. I'm buying a paperweight. Whenever I go to the ticket counter and they always go, are you a student? And I just look at them and go, I'm a student of life. Fiddle and Foresters is a .gov. There's a new sheriff in town now. You know, I mean, what's wrong with Lycan Phil Collins? You tell me. I was going to say, if there's any veterinarians listening, please tell us. But veterinarians would have stopped listening to this podcast long ago. Hey, talk about a morale booster. Like, man, the economy got you down. How about this climate change stuff? There's a lot of woes, but you might win a space shuttle. I've had it with this stuffy old town. Down to the warehouse for a dance-off. I'm pretty familiar with the Destiny's Child catalog, so. Dang it, my indoor soccer match is about to start. Get out of the way. Peace out, Boy Scouts. I'll be going starting fires out back. I'll have a doggy. Get your coat, honey. We're out of here. Maybe I'll go down to the skating rink. Some kids will probably be pretty impressed. I'm going to throw away this marijuana. Who's with me? I would rather have six dirty hobos all armed with samurai swords than be in one porto potty with an even medium-sized rat. Hey, you, you want you want to see a 400-pound alligator get some sweet air for some rancid chicken meat? Yeah. I'm not insane. I may be deranged, but I'm not crazy. The human digestive system is not meant for an entire brick of cheddar cheese in one sitting. I mean, people at NASA listen to this thing, and they are just scratching their head every week. We're, we're only 10 minutes in this thing, and Hambone's already dropped an Airbud ref. A pheasant is a pretty expensive entree, and you find a dead one, that's like a gift. 
the honey baked ham layaway is the ultimate economic indicator of the depth of this recession. Or you could just say, I'm no longer going to cry during children's movies. Monkskin.